Hey, this is the last coffee house. So we are looking at nothing in particular. We're talking about just the American community. So one of the things that is a larger trend that doesn't get a whole lot of attention that is incredibly concerning is just this kind of slow demise of the American community and the idea of the American community. We talked about, I think, one book that I wasn't a huge fan of, but it did have a lot of good points about this, was Alienated America. And it talks about how deaths of despair are on the rise, suicides on the rise, even while murder and those kinds of crimes are on the way down and I really think that a lot of the SJW stuff just has to do with this search for some kind of meaning somewhere you know different generations are defined by different things so when you've got something like World War II when you've got something like civil rights or being anti-war in the Vietnam era or the Cold War or the war on terror all those things are defining whether you're supporting or opposing and when you don't have that when there's this kind of a identity lacuna out there that you you don't know what to define yourself by, then you find something. You look for something. Because we're all egocentric, chronocentrists, we want to believe that whatever struggle we have is the most important struggle of all time. So we have to elevate it and amplify it and pretend like things are the worst they've ever been so that we can have some kind of an identity foil so that we have something to fight against and get some meaning out of this, wrench some meaning out of this whole life thing. But one of the things when it comes to America, contemporary America, is that we're losing a lot of the institutions that were important community builders historically. One of the big things is, I remember, you know, over a few years, what was it, like 2000, I know Sam Harris wrote his book in 2006, wasn't it? After 9-11, and then we had The Other of the Four Horsemen, and we had a, a pretty serious, precipitous decline in religious adherence in the United States, at least. And at the time, I was like, well, good, we have more, you know, it's more about truth and, and finding reality and not being bound to, to tradition just because it's tradition and questioning religious ideas is, you know, especially when it comes to ones that are discriminatory or otherwise hurtful and oppressive of women and advertising an epistemology that suggests that you can just know something that's that complex and that monstrous and has that much evidence going against it. You can just know it because you know it internally. I know I got it. It, it. I figured it out. So at the time, I'm like, oh, good. Yes, let's attack this. But now we have this thing that's filling in and it could just be growing pains and people trying to figure out how they can know what they know and trying to find something to identify with. But religions had important functions historically. Obviously for thousands of years they had very important functions. All the way from just plain ancestor worship, so you're more likely to be supportive of your tribe and raise your children and protect elders and, and impart wisdom, all the way up to formalized religion. And we grew out of the worst things about religion. The wars, the burning of heretics, the hysteria around black Blasphemy, I mean, that was, that's a pretty recent development, honestly. But still, we got over those things. But the whole point is that religion had a lot of useful artifacts. And there's a difference between true and useful. <laughs> I mean, every politician knows this. Something can be true and you can scream it to the hilltops, but if people aren't in a position or have the capacity to be able to understand what's true and why it's important that it's true, then it might not be useful and other things might be untrue, but very useful. It's a sad balance. You know, you wish that we could just be honest about everything and have the truth out there and everybody would just acknowledge it and we could move on, but that is absolutely not the case. But I'm lamenting here all of the good things that religion 
did. You know, that aspect of community, it's it's definitely, even though I've been an atheist for a very, very long time, ever since I was a kid, but it was around mostly religious communities that it seemed like it was the most generally supportive without requiring some kind of a quid pro quo. So, especially, like, when I was around people who happened to be religious, you know, I went to this one group that was, like, talking atheists out of atheism or something like that, but there would be people who were very socially awkward, you know, who who struggled with engaging in conversation or just relating to people generally, but they would be accepted, you know, there would be the occasional awkwardness <laughs> related to it, but they would still be accepted and encouraged, they'd be encouraged to participate, and you could tell that that was a big deal to them. And so I, I just wonder historically how many of these kinds of people got swept up in religion who would have otherwise felt alienated and subject to either, you know, a death of despair or engage in violence or or some other kind of criminal activity or mass shooting or something like that because they don't have any kind of an outlet to, to have that social interaction or develop any kind of a, a self-value. So the devil you know versus the devil you don't, it's it's like this balance that it's just, yeah, it's clearly wrong. <laughs> There's a whole bunch of nonsense. It is very useful. If somebody wants to make the argument that it's useful, I mean, there are arguments to be made on the other side, but the reality of having an effective, some kind of a, a gel or a, <laughs> something that binds us all together that we can all unify on and be able to have some kind of a collective substrate for us to interact, that's important. And it seems like we're definitely losing that. And now there are a lot of reasons for that. I mean, I think, did I talk about? Not Hidden Figures, that's the movie. Hidden <laughs> Hidden Tribes. Hidden Tribes was the study that went into the kind of increased polarization on all sorts of issues all over the place. Now, a lot of the questions were incredibly vague, but it still does a lot to show an evidence that people are becoming more polarized today than they were historically. And there's the other book... The Big Sort that was talking about gigantic demographic trends that were leading to people clustering based on political ideology. You know, The Righteous Mind talks about it a little bit. But the fact of people talking more to people who agree with them than people who don't, and they're not being some kind of a, a third external thing for them to be able to refer to, especially for people who aren't very bright... <laughs> <laughs> but there being some kind of a clear external standard for them to refer to, this causes problems. This not only this, but this is part and parcel of a lot of things that are going on. It's there's not only that, but there's the decline in family just in general. I was looking up the statistics, and so I think amongst millennials, actually, uh, divorce rates are going down. And I think they did control for the number of marriages to determine whether divorce rates were going down amongst those who were getting married. But marriage rates are also going down. Amongst amongst millennials, and I'm sure it's going to be the same for subsequent generations. I didn't dive too deeply into all the other generations that are up and coming to see what they were doing. Fewer people are having children, more people are waiting, and then end up not having children. Family's an extremely important thing. It's something that has been a vital institution for keeping us together historically in virtually every culture. There's been some aspect of, okay, there's a, there's a family, there are people who are most genetically related to you, and those people you take care of the most, and then that just kind of 
spreads out as you go along to your community and your tribe or town. Those kinds of allegiances and the support, the internal groups that support each other, create that collective substrate where you have shared experiences. Those shared experiences help support. Uh, I think Hashtag Republic talked about this too. Where you have shared experiences and those things create a kind of foundation for you be for you to be able to relate to each other on and be able to talk about important topics or controversial topics and still be supportive of each other. And that's another, what's his name in Jason Altman in his book, which I can never remember the title of, something Divide or something like that. But he was a former congressman who talked about how the Congress people of both parties used to go to the same gym and they used to do a whole bunch of stuff together. But that has changed now and they don't do that anymore. So it's very easy to otherize the other side instead of seeing them as people who also have families who also are just trying to do a job and and get home and and leave it at that. So I think long term, those kinds of trends are just very damaging. You know, we haven't really, as a species, we haven't been in a place where we got to experience such wealth and prosperity that we didn't have to worry about replacing our population, you know, where where we had to worry about because of mortality, we have to keep people going so that we have enough in the family to support it. We don't really have to worry about that so much anymore. And we're not really in the food chain anymore. So it's like... We've reached some kind of a plateau, and I know there's some chronocentrism here, but we've reached some kind of a plateau that suggests that we don't know where to go from here. (laughs) You know, once we've become comfortable and happy, we have to find new problems so that we can, we can figure out what to do. Because all of these collective, collectivizing things, these things that we have to come together, those are things that are responses to threats. So if we don't have those threats anymore, there's no reason to do these kinds of things. I would love to learn and find out, you know, from people generally, or from studies out there, you know, whether it's anecdotally from individuals or massive studies to find out what people's attitudes on family are anymore. Because it used to be a primary vocation of, okay, well, now I need to find somebody to couple with and have a kid and support my kid. And once I have a kid, there's my new meaning. And then my kid does the same thing. And we just go on from there. Uh, I mean, reproduction all over the place is, is declining in the United States. But Japan is having a lot of these issues, as far as I know, as well, that young people just aren't coupling as much. They're not having sex. They're just abstaining from sex. Not even necessarily because they can't have it or can't find people to have sex with, but it's just something that's not of as much interest anymore. But that means, I mean, if you're not having children together, you're not having shared experiences. Those shared experiences build the collective substrate, wherein people have a foundational connection to each other. So if you don't have those things, you're going to have a less cohesive group. And once you get a less cohesive group, there's going to be more infighting. And when you look at the these things over longitudinal time, they're going to have serious impacts. And you wonder if if those strategies for, you know, designing a country or running a country around, if those are going to be able to compete against other countries who do it a different way. And not only that, there are things like nationalism. I mean, I'm sure it was on a steady decline since like Watergate and <laughs> Vietnam, but it's something that's often demonized nowadays. It's something, I mean, it's mostly on one side of the political spectrum, but it's, it's decided that, okay, well, it's amongst progressives anyway. I've met many a liberal and I've seen many a study when it comes to liberals in general. They they are still nationalistic. They still support the country. They just think it needs to do better for certain people. It needs to do better for them, but they still love the country and they still support it over other countries. Still, it's it's often demonized and seen kind of a a faux pas to talk about that you love your country. (laughs) And obviously that's a generalization, but still the more nationalism is demonized, the less collective 
collective substrate we have as a foundation to be able to share experiences of like going to a baseball game or something like that or supporting the United States in the Olympics and if other countries are better at this if they're more they have more nationalism then that could be a problem long term anyway like I talked about I mean it used to be we had an American dream follow the American dream get there you're done and that's that's how you get meaning that's how you're successful now success doesn't even I mean money in general (laughs) being wealthy being a productive member of society those things are generally demonized now if you're wealthy you're stealing from everybody else it wasn't because you were especially industrious it's because you stole from other people and you need to give it back and traditional coupling and having children and all that is I mean there are all sorts of weird crazy things going on about it and it could be just a a small contingent of progressives who are attacking this because they need attention and that's in the attention economy it makes perfect sense that people become radicalized because they get more clicks it's not even the point of having like I'm trying to express my my arguments or my positions on X or Y it's not even about that it's about this is a an attention economy I need more attention so I'm going to espouse this view I don't even have a view but I'm going to espouse this view so I can get more attention anyway it's it's just the, the whole American dream idea was a, a, an important engine when it came to motivating people to be prosperous and to couple and have shared ex- shared experiences and all that and when you lose that then people don't have that you know it's not like from the womb you don't have that motivation to go out and do that thing and have those narratives play out in your life now you don't know what to do you know it's 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 just kind of an open question and a lot of people are filling that with identity politics and making up problems that aren't really there like the wage gap or something like that you know at a certain point there was an aspect of my thinking that was just like, okay, well, we just need to get the truth out there, let the chips fall where they may, we'll purge all the weak people and and then we can just move on from there. Those are growing pains and we can just deal with it. But at this point, I don't know how many people have the capacity to just deal with the truth and move on. And I don't know how many people have the capacity to function within a society that doesn't give them an idea of what they should be doing or what meaning is or that values certain things that you can achieve over certain things that you happen to be. I don't know that that's still there and that's going to have a huge impact on industry, on what people choose to do with their lives and what's valuable and not valuable. I mean, this is, it's a big deal and I really, I mean, I will fight to the absolute death for meritocracy. I deserve what I have, period. The fact that I don't have as many subscribers as Joe Rogan is a function of the meritocracy and I I can whine about that all I want, but I need to work harder. I need to do better. I need to be funnier. I need to commentate for UFC. I need to do all the things that I need to do to be more valuable. And that's what it should be based on of dealing with the problem. But still, I mean, meritocracy over everything, free speech over everything. <laughs> Let's just, we we have to open it up and see what happens. So anyway, that's the last coffee. I really appreciate you guys listening. Uh, obviously, I, I've got the book online if you want to support the show. That's the best way to do it at this point is... Uh, you know, obviously subscribe or whatever, listen to more episodes. But the book, John Shade Reads, Aspiring Authors, I loved writing it. It was hilarious to me. I appreciate it. I hope all is well. Okay, bye. It works wonders when the family gathers at grandma's for one of those special Sunday dinners. Milk. Yes. And if you get a headache later on, that's when Bayer works wonders. <laughs>